Hey, pull up a chair. It's Hacks on Tap with David Axelrod, Robert Gibbs, and Mike Murphy. Anyone who incites others to engage in rebelling, assists them in doing so, or gives aid and comfort to those engaged in insurrection is guilty of a federal crime. The committee believes that more than sufficient evidence exists for a criminal referral of former President Trump for assisting or aiding and comforting those at the Capitol who engaged in a violent attack on the United States. There you have it, Mike Murphy and Robert Gibbs. We close out the year as we close out the uh, January 6th committee after uh, a million pages of evidence and 1,200 or something witnesses and a bunch of very well-produced hearings, criminal referrals for President Trump. Murphy? Yeah, I'm glad they did it. I mean, they had to. What did he have to do, put on a red coat? I mean, what part of sedition <laughs> didn't happen here? It was, you know, pretty cut and dry. Uh, the repubs, of course, in our modern era of tribal death matches, like, you know, what? Nothing to see here. Look the other way. So uh, now, whether or not it, you know, what happens now, um, my guess is when Ways and Means votes next week, they will, the, it'll probably be a party line vote almost certainly, but they will vote to release the big tax returns, which will be the next kind of public cloud. And then it... It'll all be at the Justice Department, though there are parallel investigations. So bottom line is, I'm, I'm glad I'm not Donald Trump. Uh, I'm glad you're not Donald Trump, too. <laughs> yeah. Would be an awkward recording, I think. <laughs> yeah, but Gibbs, you know, the thing that struck me, uh, Murphy said the Repubs did their usual thing, but actually they didn't. be muted. And well, I think it tells right. you exactly, I mean, they, they're finally getting the message that the voters delivered in November which is enough of this crazy stuff. Uh, we, we, we need to move on here. Uh, I, th- I thought that was really interesting. Yeah, I'd give it a little time, but go, go ahead, Robert, because it's what the DOJ does that I think will trigger the smoke. Whoa, go ahead. Yeah. I would say it was muted, but I would say what they tend to do, what Republicans have tended to do in these bigger moments of, of Trump is to try to pretend like, as you said, nothing happened not comment on it and just sort of walk away from having to engage on it. A couple of people, at least Stefanik put out a statement. Um, You know, I'm struck by still the, you know, the next iteration of the January 6th committee in the new house led Republican Congress is to investigate this committee for uh, its excesses. So I think, I think we have to be careful giving them too much credit that they, uh, they were muted yesterday. I think they were muted because they don't want to upset Trump. And in reality, I, I think in terms of getting a message, I, I think it's going to be stunning to have these guys pivot and somehow put this committee under oath for some sort of violation. I, I think that's going to I think people are going to find that to be dramatic whiplash. No, I agree. But there is no doubt. I'll, I'll swing back and forth like a true fickle swing voter from saying, not so sure, David, do. Actually, David, you're right about something here, which is they have changed the algorithm, which is from whatever Trump needs right now, loud and proud, which way to Fox News, to, okay, a little more nuanced. Let's think of ourselves first here, but we're still afraid of Trump. You know, it, yeah. it is it is yet another indicator that the the great orange uh, menace has uh, lost a few a million volts of magic lightning bolt power. He reacted in a predictable way, which is this is an assault on you, patriotic Republican. This is they're trying to deprive us yeah. uh, of our voice, and this is what. And you're going to hear a lot of that. I think this is one of the reasons why running again is so important to Donald Trump. So he can put that cloak around himself and say, this isn't about me. This is about you, your voice. Your voice is being stolen from you because they're trying to prosecute me for my various alleged crimes. Right. I I thought the McConnell response was very perfectly McConnell, which is to say, everybody in America knows who's responsible, but I don't have any real comment on that. And it was this sort of like, you know, just kind of brilliant, like, oh yeah, I'm yeah. I'm landing on exactly who it was, 
but I'm not really going to go there. So uh, again, <laughs> I think he said what he needed to say, but he also didn't say what he didn't need to say. So kind of, again, brilliantly McConnell. Oh, no. McConnell is having the time of his life now on the Mitch McConnell joy scale. Uh, this is, you know, Jasper, bring me my cutting blade. Hard to which, tell. Which, 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 has a, which has a range from A to B. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, no, this one does not go to 11. <laughs> I, I've seen him get up to a solid four and a half before in a static. But uh, anyway, so the plot thickens. The plot yeah. thickens. And yeah. I'm, I want to see those tax returns. That's going to be a hoot because uh, that was a big battle and they're going to be great reading. Murphy, to pick up on your point, I think, you know, criminal referrals are are interesting. Uh, they can be impactful, but they carry no legal weight from the House to the Department of Justice. Uh, and and I think you said it earlier, you know, now the ball really is in the in the DOJ court. Right. And they've got an impaneled grand jury, even for all the evidence that the House was able to get really through mostly voluntary subpoenas. I think it will be fascinating to see when DOJ decides what to do and when we see a little bit more, presumably, from what the grand jury has heard or seen eventually. Um, you know, They've got the ability to dig far deeper because you don't get a chance to decline a grand jury subpoena uh, from the Department of Justice investigating this uh, as a bigger crime. Yeah, and institutionally, the DOJ does have ears. And for the Congress as an institution to say, we're coughing up criminal sure. uh, a recommendation on the President of the United States, which is unprecedented in American history, they uh, they will feel that. And they're doing their own investigation, as right. are others. I suspect they're going to do, and this is way out of our lane, We should get, uh, we'll get back to the politics, but I suspect they're going to do what prosecutors do, which is they're going to... Uh, look at Eastman and they're going to look at Meadows and they're going to try and, and they may squeeze indict up. them and they'll try and squeeze them yeah. before they make a decision about what yeah. to do, which is a very, very weighty decision, obviously, about what to do about Trump. David, I was having fun playing constitutional lawyer. I don't know why you want to go back to hack. But, <laughs> hey, yeah, I'm a grand jury veteran here. I got <laughs> hauled in front of what? Not as a target, but as a witness. And you sit there and they're all, they're all the, the Christy Whitman, Ed Rollins alleged bribery of, of ministers. I felt like a Cook County Democrat being hauled up there. <laughs> I knew it was um, coming. <laughs> yeah, it's too easy, too easy. But anyway, I'm looking at the grand jury. And they're all reading Harlequin romances and yawning and, you know, holding the menu upside down. Well, Mike Chernoff, at that time, the U.S. attorney is doing a full Perry Mason showing me my home phone records, asking me if Governor Whitman and I were in a conspiracy to, you know, write a big cover up. The feeling you get, and I don't know if you guys have ever had this character building experience or not. We have not. <laughs> okay. Yes. Well, there's still time, Gibbs. I know what you've been yes, up to and lately. And I'm from Cook County. <laughs> yeah. So for you, it's only a matter of time. But, uh, you feel the vast and unlimited power of the federal government and for the meadows of the world, let alone actually, again, I was just hauled in as a witness. If you're actually a target, you're, you're looking at, at legal bills you can't even imagine. You're, you're fighting the biggest leviathan ever. And for Donald Trump? So, yeah, I think that's exactly what will happen. Well, I'm just happy that you're at large and able to still participate in this podcast, Murphy. That you made this. bail is really encouraging for this you podcast. Know, again, not a target, but when I walked out <laughs> on the courthouse steps, I have to admit, all I wanted to do was a John Gotti thing. This is anti-Irish discrimination. These, <laughs> you know, you just, you just cinematically have that feeling. And let me add that no charges were ever leveled against the governor or anybody involved in the thing. But uh, it was something else. Let's talk about the committee before we move on, because we've got other business to do in our year-end podcast today. But I really did not know when that committee was impaneled how impactful it would wind up being. But I think, uh, you know, for history, there's no doubt that they laid out the story. They laid the story bare uh, in a way that was uh, really, really uh, vivid and hard, hard, to, hard to miss. Yeah, for once, by the way, you know, these things normally are a muddle. They did a brilliant job presenting. One thing we know for sure, even Pence acknowledged this in the podcast I did with him a few weeks ago, uh, the Republicans made a huge mistake, and they did it at Trump's behest. The Democrats offered a 9-11 style, I mean, a, a commission with an even number of Republicans and Democrats, each side having subpoena power. And McCarthy turned that down 
because Trump insisted. Yeah, yeah, another in the great pantheon of accomplishments by Kevin McCarthy. Maybe one of the most enormous strategic political mistakes in the past two years, undoubtedly. Here, we have two bullhorns. We're going to have a shouting contest. You want one? No, no, we're going to we're going to use cl- <laughs> quiet dignity as our our deadly right, weapon. Right, and the and the and the, yeah. and the theory was that they could just uh, cry partisan politics and and yeah. and that would carry the day. Well, well that's going to be put to the test. But it really was put to the test over the summer. I don't know what you guys think. You know, when you look at the mix of things that wound up in diluting what should have been a really, really strong Republican year, I think those January 6th hearings and the exposure of Trump was a big part of that equation. Big, big deal. Salute to Liz Cheney, who departisanized it. Um, and gave the thing the appropriate credibility and her, her willingness as a patriot to blow up a promising career in House politics to do the right thing. Yeah, Adam Kinzinger as well. Kinzinger as well. Yeah. And important, too, that these things were produced not as the muddle of a everybody gets five minutes to question the witness normal congressional hearing, but in reality right. really produced a TV show. Uh, that doubled as an investigative committee such that this was easily digestible. It put it put alarming facts uh, and videotape in front of people on a very regular basis, to your point, David. It was impactful this summer, and I think the production value of that played a huge role in it. Yeah, it, it, it tamed the biggest monster known to Washington, congressional egos, the need to each bloviate for five minutes, uh, and it made a much more coherent presentation. Yeah, I mean, beyond that, and Robert, you can, you can, I mean, both of you guys appreciate this. Us having been in the White House, uh, you know, had to grapple with this every day. The hardest thing to do in Washington is tell a consistent yep. and coherent story. And what they did through these hearings was to tell a story about how this happened why it happened, who the players were. And uh, that that is a real accomplishment. So, you know, this committee will obviously go out of existence on January 3rd. We're going to, tomorrow, uh, we're doing this on Tuesday. Tomorrow we'll get their, their full voluminous uh, report and all the evidence will be released. But yeah, this, you know, uh, the, the entire committee deserves uh, enormous credit. I, I agree with all that. I'll say they're going to go out of existence, but not totally, because formally they're gone. But now some version of the idea of the committee will be back for a uh, Republican, quote unquote, investigation, which will drop it down to like double A ball, I think, from where it's been. But it'll still it'll still be a political football that'll grind on, at least among the the hard partisans on each side, uh, you know, deep into next year. Well, and Murphy, your hero, Liz Cheney, that you mentioned a second ago, I, I doubt she's going to exit stage left or stage right. She's going to oh, play. No, no she's going to exit stage center. Exactly. <laughs> yes. Uh, she's going to play some uh, some size of a role in 2023 and 2024. And I don't think, yeah. to your point, um, the committee's legal structure may expire, but uh, its its voice and its mission certainly carry forward. I have it from my many secret sources. She's been busy uh, stocking up on axe handles, getting ready to enter the public debate with Trump. So, yeah, yeah she's not going I mean, away. do you think that attraction of being on the stage with Donald Trump will lure her into that presidential race? It might. It might. I mean, it's a, it's a tricky one to figure out because of, on the actual primary politics of it, um, she's not... Uh, She's not viable. She's got like a 14% rating among Republicans. I mean, she's hugely popular among Democrats. Right, right. right. She's in Uh, the wrong primary, but she won't look at it as a how many delegates can I win, knowing if she does run, she'll be extinguished quickly. She'll look about the pre-primary season. Can I be up there? Can I make the debates? Uh, which I'm sure the RNC mechanisms will work against uh, in order to have a platform to uh, scream at Trump. But she might find other ways, too. Um, Yeah. So stay tuned. She'll do the smart thing, I think, to get the most platform, as will Kinzinger and others who are looking at this same same deal. And Larry Hogan. Kinzinger just sold his house in Illinois, and I suspect he's going to pop up in a state where he might be more viable on a statewide basis. Uh, you know, I'm guessing. Yeah, no, we haven't heard the last North of Carolina, yeah. but uh, there could be other states that he'll 
surface. But yeah, we he's 44 years old and he's very talented. No, I don't think we've heard the last of him either. I'm sorry, you talk about Hogan, Murphy? No, no, just in that non-Trump Hogan will be the more middle road, you know, more critical of Trump candidate, which again comes with baggage in the primary. But I think Trump yeah. has a political half-life of about 150 days and we've started the clock. So we'll see... We'll see what Donald Trump looks like in October of next year as we wind up into the increasingly early primaries. Uh, and that's a whole nother discussion that we can have or not. Yeah. Um, so stay tuned. Trump ain't yeah. what he used to be. That's the bottom line. All right. Hold that thought. We're going to take a short break. And now a word from our sponsors. So, Gibbsy, what is HelloFresh? Well, hello, it's farm-fresh, pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes all combined and delivered right to Gibbsville, right to your door. You can skip all those trips to the grocery store, and you can count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy and affordable. That's why, get this, it's the number one meal kit in America. It's a time saver, and people love it. And the great news, Murphy, it's the most festive time of the year, and HelloFresh is here to make the most of every single moment. From holiday hosting to dinners, during busy weeknights, you can count on HelloFresh to deliver fresh ingredients and seasonal recipes. Tis the season also, Murphy, for saving money wherever you can. Oh, HelloFresh. Yeah. Always the season for that. Fiscal conservatism. But go ahead. <laughs> HelloFresh is cheaper than grocery shopping and 25% less than takeout. So you can use those savings on my great holiday gift. Yeah, we're working on it. You know, those Bentley dealerships are not easy to work with. But look, we all know that right now, in the middle of the holiday season, your calendar turns into a happy nightmare. You have so much stuff to do. With that situation that we're all in right now, you can count on HelloFresh to give you some of your time back by making cooking so simple and so quick. Remember, each recipe and pre-portioned ingredients come right to your door. So no grocery store parking lot, no waiting in line for Gibbs's relatives who need to buy another case of wine, you can just make the food, eat it, and get on with your life. HelloFresh has a variety of recipes. Quality is HelloFresh's priority. And HelloFresh's festive eats makes mealtime a snap, Murphy. Snap. So what are you waiting for? Go to HelloFresh.com slash Hacks18 and use code Hacks1818 for 18 free meals. That's why it's 1-8. See, they're clever about this. Code HACKS18 for 18 free meals plus free shipping. That's HelloFresh.com slash HACKS18. When it's Murphy's time to cook dinner, HelloFresh helps him <laughs> save time and use the best quality ingredients to cook up something that everybody wants to eat. That's why we want you to go to HelloFresh.com slash HACKS18 and use code HACKS18 for 18 free meals plus free shipping. I'm getting excited. I like food and I've had this stuff and it's good. HelloFresh is America's number one meal kit. So we got other business to do here. Yeah, it's it's a magic moment. We're doing the first annual post midterm end of year holiday spectacular award show. <laughs> yes. yes, yes, thank you. Thank you, America. Your practice on that timpani drum is really impressive. That was just me pounding on my stomach. <laughs> <laughs> and what Robert, get, get your ukulele ready. You're closing the show here. It's a little dance number. I saw you in the leotard the other day, so we're all very excited. We know you've been practicing. That, that's an image we don't want to leave people with as they head off to the holidays, I don't think. Uh, all right. Oh, okay. All right. All right. That's enough, Fox. You're going to, Fox is bucking for the cheap, no royalty paid needle drop special effects Oscars this year. Yes, which, which I think he has contender. a very good chance to win. He yeah. seems to be the only nomination in the category. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, let's start with 2000. We're going to go through a whole bunch of these. We may even make up a few along the way, but the, the <laughs> midterm cycle, 2022's biggest political winner and loser other, here we go, than Biden and Trump, who are obviously big winners and big losers in the midterms. Mr. Gibbs, you want to lead off? The easy answer might be Schumer and McConnell as winner and loser, uh, just from a real strategic mm -hmm. standpoint. But I I'm going to give, I think the biggest winner on the Democratic side is Raphael Warnock. I think somebody who has won 
four races in what uh 25 or 26 months uh, statewide races in Georgia and ran significantly ahead of Democrats statewide and and had to really battle uh Brian Kemp and Republicans who were winning fairly comfortably in that. So I would say that I'm going to give him the biggest winner uh, uh uh on certainly the Democratic side I think Ron DeSantis on the Republican side. Ah, good, good things. I'll do mine and then ask you can bat clean up. And there are so many contenders because it's not like, you know, somebody is overwhelmingly clear, but those were two yes. good choices. And I those who don't the biggest... get the award that you should feel good for being nominated, but go ahead. that's right. That the real honor is being nominated. Th those yes. are my winners. My loser, my dead bang loser of 2022 is election denialism. Very good. Very good. We got to send him a hacky award each. I'll say the biggest winner is Gretchen Whitmer because mm -hmm. uh, she had a great statewide win and she's now a national star in the Democratic Party. And if Joe Biden opts not to run, she would be a tier one powerful candidate. So I'll give her down in the in the minors looking to move up to the show. I think she did it. On the other hand, the biggest loser, I'd have to say. Stacey Abrams, who went from a star like Whitmer has now become uh, with an ill-advised, badly timed run. Credible one. She worked hard. But a lot of the gloss uh, that she had around her that made her a true national figure has been stripped away by that loss two in a row. Not sure why she ran this year uh, against a, a formidable opponent incumbent like Kemp, but I think it cost her. So I'll say in the in the moving up to the show Olympics, I'll, I'll, I'll say Stacey Abrams had the biggest loss. Yeah. Those are uh, you guys, those are thoughtful nominations. I actually had a uh, Whitmer on my list of nominees, and I'll have more to say about her later. I also had Governor Sununu of New Hampshire as a possibility mm. uh, because he ran, he won by 16 points in a state that's not an easy state uh, for uh, Republicans in a year when all the other Republicans admittedly wing nuts, but they all uh, lost for both seats for Congress and for the and for the Senate, uh, I also had John Fetterman on that list, primarily because he won despite the fact that he was battling the effects of a stroke at the end in a very competitive race, and he was counted out and so on. But here's the, at the end of the day, and this will surprise you guys, my uh, biggest uh, winner of the year was Nancy Pelosi. Mm. And I'll tell you why, because uh, she's leaving her leadership post on her own terms. I mean, Democrats did not retain control of the House, but they very nearly did and defied expectations. And uh, and she is uh, she sort of dictated the terms of her own departure. Uh, so I I I put Pelosi up there as a winner of the year. Maybe unlikely, but uh, 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 you know, on your list, but. Think about it. Uh, you know, as always, she sort of right. She sort of navigated the terrain in a really, really elegant way. Uh, the losers. Uh, I mean, if uh, Trump was an epic loser, but we've excluded him, so um, I sort of disagree uh, with. Uh, wait, did you have McConnell on your loser list or winner yes. list? Loser on your loser. No, I have McConnell on my loser list. Also, Sean Patrick Maloney. No doubt, Democrats yeah. had had a the trip chair. a fantastic. Uh, he Dems had a, a fantastic year compared to expectations. He was the head of the committee in the House for Democrats, the campaign committee, and lost his own seat in the state of New York. <laughs> it's yeah. amazing. I feel sorry for people who are having dinner with him right now because he'll be on his fourth glass of wine every time, start talking <laughs> yes. about Churchill after World War II. Yeah. You know, it's often the great generals yeah. who pay the biggest no, price. He's the guy everybody moves away from at the bar, <laughs> right? Actually, you could, probably, you could probably add just New York Democrats in general. I know certainly there yeah, were some yeah. high points in those races, but boy, Talk about being dealt three kings and overplaying your hand in redistricting that, that may well have cost significant number of seats in the House. Yeah, they, there's no doubt. They lost a, a handful of seats. But I'll tell you something. Uh, this whole I was thinking about this the other day. Very likely that Republicans will win the Senate in 2024 just because of the way the, 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 race, the races yeah, line right. up. You've got, but uh, it's very possible, especially especially if they get dragged into crazy land again and again. It's very possible yep. that 
Democrats will take the House back. They already have this guy Santos in New York who apparently <laughs> fabricated his entire biography who just got elected on Long Island. Probably. Yeah, they're calling him uh, Santos R slash Xerox. Uh, <laughs> everything, everything is cut and paste and made up. But, you know, you can see that McCarthy is having to tack way to the right to just placate his, uh, you know, to try and get elected speaker, which leads me to my biggest loser of the year, Kevin McCarthy. Seems yep. counter yep. counterintuitive because he, you yeah. know, they did win the House, but only by four votes, which is almost worse than losing. Yeah. And and, yeah. and now yeah. he's got whatever shred of dignity he had left now is being thrown on the bonfire of trying to get elected Speaker of the House, and it's just going to get worse for him if he wins. No, you're right. I, I, I held back because he was my second choice, and I had a feeling one of you guys would go there, and I, I he's a tr strong contender. One of the reasons I held back was he's front runner for next year just because if he does get the speakership, his life is going to be hell. He's right. running for mayor of hell, and so <laughs> it's actually going to get worse for him. Mayor of hell. <laughs> Not an award, but a prediction for the two of you. If he's elected speaker in January, is he speaker by the end of the year? Ooh, good question. I think uh, probably, but not certainly at all. Because yeah. one of the deals he's trying, well, he doesn't want to make, but he's being forced to make to Motion win, vacate. is he has to right, walk around with a red ejector button on his head. So if anybody doesn't like him in the Freedom Caucus, they walk up, sorry, Kevin, push it, and he's, he flies out the window. So yeah. if they get their way, then I think it's more likely he won't be. Yeah, and I'll tell you, though, the, you know, John Boehner left because, he, you know, his, his sense of personal integrity was such he just couldn't take it anymore. Uh, Paul Ryan left for the same reason. McCarthy isn't burdened by that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So uh, that may allow him to hang around even under these most difficult uh, circumstances. But, uh, yeah, I mean, there is a certain – it is almost – this is like the classic sort of Faustian tale. Kevin McCarthy, who's wanted nothing more in his life than to be Speaker of the House and, you know, flew down to Mar-a-Lago Mar and, uh, you know, weeks after excoriating Trump on the floor of the House for, in, uh, for, for spurring an insurrection and uh, kissed the ring. And I mean, there are no lengths to which he wouldn't go. And by the way, he spent $350 million through his pack to try and expand the majority so that he wasn't at the beck and call of these crazy people, Marjorie Taylor Greene and others, who's now one of his chief lieutenants. Uh, and he, he has a four vote majority. It's a Faustian story. Yeah. Hence mayor of hell. I think yeah. we need to print up t-shirts. <laughs> As you said, and we said during the lead up of this, the only thing worse than, uh, than losing control of the house may have been winning control of the house. And now he's got yeah. to figure yeah. out, and it's not yeah. just, look, the, the, the problems don't just begin and end the first day. I think there's a, you know, watching how this, and I'll talk about this later on, uh, watching how they operate in this political environment and watching how the White House pivots off of the way they they yeah. operate in this environment is going to have a huge impact uh, on who becomes the Republican nominee in the political environment as we head into 2024. Well, and it's also, you know, I mean, people have said, uh, and I think, you know, there's something to this. We know what it's like in a White House when there's a change of hands and the House comes after the 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 incumbent. Uh, president, it's not going to be pleasant for Biden, but they may overplay their hand to the point that they actually become a political asset to him. Yeah. If, they're, if the White House learns to dance, because again, they're getting a lot of awards for a dance contest they didn't really dance in. Uh, <laughs> if they learn how to do that, uh, you're, they're going to have a huge opportunity because uh, those guys are going to set them up. And by the way, just a footnote, I'm not still sure he's going to get it. You know, he's kind yeah. of the only choice for the R's. So the logic is, well, they're falling into line right. if he, he 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 slithers around a lot and he's first-rate slitherer. But it's not a done deal. There's trouble in in the in the hills. You saw that 54 Republicans uh, signed a letter saying they'll only vote for McCarthy, which is to try and gain leverage against the five uh, yeah. Freedom Caucus guys who say they won't vote for uh, they won't vote for. Uh, McCarthy at all. So, and that's enough to block him. So there's a, you know, it's, it's a messy, it's a yeah. messy, messy situation. 
Just for our listeners, uh, Murphy is somebody who didn't win a lot of dance awards in contests he did participate in. So that's your uh, your image of something that's hard to get out of your mind. Oh, oh, your words have iron, Kimosabi. But you said, Murphy, you know, you said an interesting thing about Biden that he 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 he's getting a lot of kudos for a dance contest he didn't participate in. And there's no doubt that what happened in 2022 was a choice not the usual referendum, and largely because of Donald Trump, and Biden was the beneficiary of that. But, you know, many, many times here, Biden has benefited legislatively and politically by not st- by not jumping into the middle of the dance floor when the dance floor became, you know, kind of a mosh pit. Uh, he just stood on the sidelines, and he benefited from it. Yep, it's true. Um you know, it. You can argue that was brilliant st- strategy, or he had fallen asleep. But we're we're going to find out in 2023 when Biden has to drive his truck mm-hmm. and do some complicated stuff, like insane House Republicans, and the fundamental problems that created all the doubt about Biden's reelect um, may still be there. You know, we're, we're see what happens. So I, I think the jury's out. Uh, I'll say that there is one fundamental problem, and that's. That's the immutable challenge right. of age, and uh, yeah. and, and that, of course it's still going to be there. The question is, can he navigate it? Yeah. But one of the things, just to add last thing to this, is you, you've seen a lot of travel from from the president in the last few weeks after the election, where he's put a capstone on a lot of the things that he did get through or was lucky enough to be part of getting through things like the chips act things like uh you know clean energy funding and i think you're going to see a lot of that as it relates to manu- american manufacturing back in the us all throughout 23 and 24 all right okay let's Who's go next? to another mega thing we'll come back to rising stars we have a few uh, other awards but biggest political story of the year and i should probably say other than the obvious one of the Dems uh, overcoming the historical and bad economy wave to uh, essentially survive the midterms. I mean, we can all give it to that, but who has something else? For 2022, I would say voter interest and activation around the Dobbs decision. I think that was a moment that fundamentally altered the outcome of the 2022 race. And uh, it started with a leak in Politico, where they printed almost verbatim what the Supreme Court several weeks later issued. And again, I think it um, it supercharged a Democratic electorate that was in real danger of becoming what we normally see in midterms, which is not all that engaged. Uh, and that changed overnight, and we saw it manifest itself in a lot of uh, political races and a lot of special races. Uh, you know, I think we all remember, and we probably should have understood that it meant more in Kansas than even uh, we thought it did that night and the days after. But I think that was the biggest, undoubtedly, the biggest story of 2022. Murphy, well, that is a good one, Gibbs. And Thank you. I'm tempted, you know, <laughs> to look at the vast canvas of geopolitics and say the crumbling of the Russian state. But we're keeping it would in, be a in good one po- too. Politics in the U.S. Um, I'd have to say, and it's brand new, the ink isn't even dry on the various rags that are printing it today, but the U.S. Congress recommending the criminal prosecution of an American president for sedition. Yeah. That's big. It'll be, it'll be in the history books. No doubt. Yeah. Well, I mean, I thought we were supposed to go for the, the, the oh, the less, cheap political hack the, story. The less, okay. Oh, well, no, but the late, the le- the less obvious ones. Okay. Uh, All right. I mean, I, I listen. I honor both of your choices. They're great, but now I feel inadequate. <laughs> no, no, no. You, we're, we're, we're pretend you're the editor of Grit, and you wanna, you wanna cover the smaller stuff. Lie back on the couch, David, and tell us more. Well, I no. I, I mean, I, I think that this sort of revival, albeit uh, modestly, of split ticket voting, mm-hmm. uh, was an interesting story in 2022. You know, you, you saw it in. Uh, uh, certainly you saw it in Georgia uh, yeah. where where Kemp uh did you know where where Kemp and Warnock won um you saw it in uh, uh Wisconsin uh you know there there are a number of states where uh Republicans and uh, Republican governors won and democratic senators um we saw split ticket voting in Nevada, Nevada. yeah mm-hmm. uh so you know uh 
I, I still no. You that's know, legit. I think that is that. If you look at the campaigns, yeah. that's legit. I, you could argue the national rather than regional primacy of uh, mail-in voting, which has made election days ten days long now. Um, that that's changed a lot of the dynamic of how you plan campaigns. It's been coming for a long time, but it really hit a tipping point this cycle because it's everywhere, thanks to yeah. COVID. We should, by the way, add a category which is campaign of the year. Oh, 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 good idea. Good idea. Let's see. Lots of great ideas here, right? You've got Josh Shapiro. You've got John Fetterman. Again, I'm going to lean in on the person I picked for uh, for uh, for my top winner. I'm going the Warnock campaign. All right. So I think Fetterman's a contender for excellent campaign. Warnock. Well, let's get a few nominees here and we'll pick one jointly. Shapiro, Whitmer. Yeah, Whitmer. Yeah, but I mean, you, you Whitmer certainly. but Mark you, Kelly. Yes, but you know, the one that I think is below the radar screen because she's so low-key, Catherine Cortez Masto yeah. in Nevada. Yeah, and beating the odds, yeah, I have to admit. I, I would say technically very tempted with Mark Kelly, but in terms of somebody who surprised a lot of people uh, after a year of being called a terrible campaign and really pulled it off, it, it, Cortez Masto's hard to beat. Well, I think yeah. the, the the you know what what the two races acts that uh, Georgia and Nevada have in common is both of those gubernatorial races, right? In in Kemp, uh, in in Georgia, Kemp gets reelected, but in uh, in Nevada, the the Democratic governor gets turned out. So both of those Senate candidates had to run. Um, essentially against where the top of the ticket landed. Uh, and, and to your, to your earlier point, that makes it, that makes it really hard to do a, particularly in a very tribal, the tribal world we live in. I would recommend that anybody who wants to dive deep in this should read, uh, John Ralston's analysis this week. Uh, he, he did a deep dive analysis. Basically she ran well ahead in the rural areas of the governor there. Adam Laxalt, her yep. opponent. Right. Adam Laxalt uh, just was a poor candidate in these uh, in these rural areas. All right, we're going to take a minute to pay the bills, and we'll be right back. Murphy, are are you ever like me when you're scrolling through your bills and you realize you've got all these subscriptions that you signed up for a long time ago? You're still being charged for them but you don't ever use them because they're so hard to cancel. You forget to cancel them. It is a nightmare. One weak moment with a couple of drinks, and now I can't get out of my $5.99 a month for sexyaccordionplayers.com. I mean, I'm stuck. And I've got all kinds of things like that where I have a subscription I don't want anymore, but you, you have to bring in the NSA to try to cancel anything online. Well, there's good news. That's why everyone will love, just like you love, using Rocket Money, formerly known as Truebill. If you're wasting money on subscriptions, Murphy, you're not alone. 80% of people have subscriptions they forgot about. Maybe it's for an unused Amazon Prime account or a Hulu account that never gets streamed. There's this great app I use to help me keep track of all my expenses. And because of it, I no longer waste money on subscribing to things I don't use anymore. You might have heard of it. It's called Rocket Money, formerly known as Truebill. And believe me, these things add up, Gibbsy. I mean, do you know how much your subscriptions really cost you on an annual basis? I mean, most Americans think they spend maybe $80 a month on subscriptions when the actual average total is close to $200 a month. Multiply that times 12. Okay, deep breathing now. You've seen how bad it is. And with Rocket Money, once known as Truebill, you have a solution to solve that problem and save you money. The app shows all your subscriptions in one place and then cancels for you whatever you don't still want. Rocket Money can even find subscriptions you didn't even know you were paying for, Murphy. Mm. You may even find out you've been double charged for a subscription. To cancel a subscription, all you do is press cancel and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. Well, get on a rocket right now and go to your keyboard. Get rid of those useless subscriptions. Go to rocketmoney.com slash hacks and seriously... Think about this. It could save you hundreds of dollars a year. That's rocketmoney.com slash hacks. Cancel your unnecessary subscriptions right now at rocketmoney.com slash hacks. Shall we do the worst campaign, biggest fiasco? By the way, like honorable mention to Tim Ryan, who we've all yeah, talked about many, yeah. many Agreed. times, really Agreed. ran a good campaign, ran well ahead 
of the Democratic candidate for governor there, but it's just Ohio such a tough uh, state. The worst campaign of the year. I think I'm going to go with Dr. Oz, who yeah, would, be, I'm with you. would be the best campaign <laughs> ding, ding, if ding, it were ding, New ding, Jersey. Ding. But yes. uh, yeah, yeah, I've got a, that was a ham-handed uh, train wreck, I think. Yes, Undoubtedly. Yes. And the train is headed back to New Jersey now. Yes. And we <laughs> talked about this, you know, and you could see this in the runoff in Georgia. I mean, you've c- candidates with super high negatives that never dealt with their negatives. And, you know, I, I know we, we always talk about tribalism. We always talk about sort of the other the other person. But, boy, when you walk into these campaigns, I mean, I remember shouting this the last few weeks that, uh, you know, Oz's negatives were higher than Mastriano, uh, who was running for governor there, who was on the grounds of the Capitol on January 6th. And Oz just never dealt with him. Well, the problem is Oz had a campaign. They got to see him. Now, they did try. Yes, remember the it, moderate yeah. Oz for about one week? Where he yeah. had the TV ad, you know, we've all got to work together. Yeah, but then he had to run. Then he had to run over to the Trump rally, yeah, right? Exactly. No, exactly. And that 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 became yeah. he undercut himself with his own BS. Yeah. Listen, he, you know, basically the lens is most uh, exacting in a presidential race. Give him your line, Ax. The MRI of the the MRI of the soul, but the better one is uh, to quote Dick Mel, the former alderman, ward committeeman in Chicago, who once told me. About a colleague who wanted to run for a higher office, he shook his head. And I said, why not? He said, because the higher a monkey climbs on a pole, the more you can see his ass. <laughs> Lamar Alexander always used to say, aim for the top simply because there's more room up there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I, I just think that uh, people got a sense of who Oz was and they didn't yeah. like it. And whatever his, whatever his impairment, whatever his flaws, people like John Fetterman more. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that helped him a lot. Well, Fetterman had one thing going, which I used to talk about early, uh, and I should have talked about more. I'd look smarter. But he did have the uncola thing working. Didn't walk, yes. talk, and quack like a duck in a year where people are wrong track and don't want ducks. Yeah. Yes. Uh, he was super authentic. And, you know, now we're going to have to do a Kickstarter to go down to Montgomery Ward and get him a suit. But um, you got to hand it to him. He's got staff for that now. Yeah, yeah, I would think so. That's all right, Murphy. We're going to get you a Carhartt hoodie, so everything's going to be. It's called. I even own out. Carhartt gear, my friend. I'm from the working Midwest. But uh, anyway, all right. So we we've given the 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 hacky raz to uh, Doctor Oz, uh, okay. hater of puppies. Okay, now biggest missed story, right? X. That's next, or you got something else? No, I I didn't have something else, but I I also forgot that we were doing that one. So you guys go first while I make one up. <laughs> Right, exactly. We're known for our prep here. Yeah, Gibbs, you, you used to be in the press wrangling business. What was the biggest missed story? Well, I mean, I think the most obvious biggest missed story was weeks and weeks and weeks of red wave when mm-hmm. uh, it was and including on hacks on tap, by inc- the way, including on hacks on tap. But yeah, you know, because it, we have the character to admit yeah, our yeah. failings, and yeah, I think it's a good example for our young listeners. Jeff, let's hear it. Let's hear our famous sound effect. <laughs> Yes, Crow. Beth Crow. We had a big yeah. meal after the election. Yes. I might add other podcasts are not not doing the Crow thing. They're not owning it the way yes. we do. But yeah. go ahead. So come here for honesty. Come here for integrity. Yeah, exactly. No no spin <laughs> zone right here. All right, Robert. Now pedal pedal your your spin. Yeah. No. No. I just think that. I mean, I think I can't really spin us out of it. I mean, I don't. I don't no, think it was. Uh, but I. You know, I think it was. Uh, look, I. I the one thing I think we always caveat when we talk about these races is the the world gets shaped by a lot of really bad public polling. And uh, I think it is hard to get out of that group think. Um, it's hard for us. It's hard for reporters. Quite frankly, there's just a lot of bad public polling out there um, that missed races. But I'll say this too. I mean, we all talk to friends who are in professional political polling they were not really confident heading into election day. So yeah, but can I can I can I can I challenge you? First of all, I I completely asso- I thank you for leading off with that because I think there's is, a butt coming. I, I'm I'm going I'm going. No, I agree with you that 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 yeah. was the biggest missed story. I disagree with you only on the public polling part because actually the polls were closer. The, what happened here was the polls were closer, but because to the end result, if you look at the polling averages and so on, but because the polls have been so bad the last few cycles and history was so persuasive about what a midterm election was going to be, 
we all sort of said, yeah, but yeah, I see those yeah. polls. But, fair. That's fair. You know, the, the lesson it taught me again, and it's one that I'm embarrassed I didn't uh, see beforehand was always bet against the conventional wisdom. And more often than not, you're likely to you're likely to prevail. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I mean, I think we all talk about this, the idea of here's what happens normally in these elections, and it happens nine out of 11 times. And, you know, it's uh, you end up wanting to bet, to, to your point, you end up wanting to bet with what history has, has largely taught us. I mean, I think the 2016 race, some of the 2020 race, and certainly the 2022 cycle has taught us that uh, history may not be the best guidepost for uh, how future elections are going to turn out, particularly in, a, I think, a very, very different world where voters, you know, are, are, are extremely tribal. Murphy, you have a, the return of the potholder and the refrigerator magnet as an incredibly person. No, I, uh, <laughs> uh, well, Gibbs stole my, my thing here a little bit. I have a slightly uh, different version of that, but I agree with what he said. Come on in, brother. The water's fine. You can agree. The missing thing here, though, I'll, I'll make it more of a process story is the death of traditional history-based analysis. Starting in 2016, what had normally been a very powerful tool to predict this stuff, uh, which was sort of based on the old pre-Donald Trump rules of politics, became less and less predictive. Um, You know, uh, all politics, not so local anymore. Everything gets swept into tribalism, candidate personalities. uh, And so the... Because the cafeteria menu, I think, to many voters is so rancid, you can't predict the meat eaters are always going to eat meat anymore, you know? And, and so we've got it. Now, that doesn't mean it'll all, the history right. is irrelevant. Those pressures are still there. The Republicans still won the House, you know? That's yeah. not small. But you can't, you can't totally do the backwards-based analysis. Politics has kind of deconstructed itself into some new thing um, that maybe a wrong track electorate will go back to normal, but we, we can't, we can't, the measuring sticks that we've used successfully for so long are now only partially right. And I don't think, I haven't seen good media work on step back. It's always been, instead of find the gimmick in October, the red wave intensity, you know, Republican pollsters, uh, now the thing is, oh, Democrat pollsters are genius. The blue wave, no, nobody stepped back and said the, the architecture which led to all the bad punditry is no longer very predictive and it hasn't been since 16. And so yeah, we've got to find yeah. new ways to look at the electorate. Agreed. Uh, the old model's dead. Okay, let's take a break right here for a word from our sponsor and we'll be right back. With the bustling holiday season well underway, ready to eat meal delivery can lend an important helping hand. Factor shops, preps, cooks, and delivers to your door so you can enjoy chef-crafted, dietitian approved meals during the holidays, minus the hassle. Plus, with 34 meals per week, including Gourmet Plus, Keto, Calorie Smart, Vegan, and Veggie, and more than 36 weekly add-ons, you'll have plenty of nutritious, flavorful options to choose from. Now, Factor is cheaper than dining out and takeout. Put the money you save toward holiday fun and you time. And thanks to Factor's commitment to ingredients with integrity, you can enjoy flavorful chef-crafted meals guilt-free like their creamy Parmesan chicken and three-bean vegan chili. Mmm. Need a special occasion meal? Gourmet Plus is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, upscale options done easy. They have snacks, smoothies, anything you want to eat, they've got it. Boy, does it make your life easy, and boy, does it taste good. So head to go.factor75.com slash hacks60 and use the code hacks60 to get 60% off your first box. That's code 60 at go.factor75.com slash hack60 to get 60% off your first box. What about our next category? You guys texted out one that says, should we add biggest political story of 2023? We did 2022, but what somebody said it was 2023. Do we have nominees for that before we do Rising Stars? Well, I have Murphy, one. Murphy made one earlier. Yeah, yeah. I'm ahead of the curve here. Yeah, on the House Republicans, right? Wasn't that? Yeah, I, I'll give one. I think, and I'm. this is totally speculating, but if uh, how about this? The current may be wrong guess about the biggest political story of 2023. The hacky goes to... Joe Biden doesn't run. 
And I say that only because conventional wisdom is so convinced now it's over. Thanks to Trump midterms, Biden's now Superman. He's going to run. Eh, I don't know. I don't know. So I'll take the don't on that. I want two to one odds. All right. I just think I have, I mean, I, again, I, I think I'm picking the more obvious one, but I, I think the, the whole, the, the whole battle for uh, supremacy for the Republican nomination in 2023, because I think there's, there's two kind of important subplots. I mentioned one a second ago, which is, I think they're going to have to be, it's going to be interesting to watch them pivot on or around what the House Republicans do, because I don't think all of them, uh, I don't think many of them uh, got the memo on what the election in 2022 meant. Uh, I also think the other subplot is I think Republicans are going to have to figure out um, where they're going to come down and how they're going to talk about this Dobbs decision, because uh, they have not figured that out. And, uh, you know, we mentioned this a lot on the show. Um, the no exceptions policy is exactly 10% of this country. And, uh, it is not a, I mean, 10% does is a long, long way from 50 and it's a long, long way from 70. So I think that the, the Republican nomination, the battle for that with those two subplots to me is the biggest story to watch in 2023. So let me, uh, give a nod to our buddy Murphy here, because I, I'm going to say, uh, a story to watch is how state committees set the nominating processes president because donald trump's donald trump now has a grip on a plurality of the republican party not a majority of the republican party that plurality might be large enough to allow him in a relatively crowded field to become the nominee again but if the Republican Party does what Mike Murphy is scheming to have them do and comes over. Formerly to- a secret plot. <laughs> 21st century. Uh, 21st century. I think you said it here on there. Am I outing oh, you? Oh, well, anyway, I mean, the bottom line is more proportional Democratic style right. primaries would be bad for Trump. Can everybody agree on that? And that's a hard thing. And second, how Trumpy, cult of personality Trump, rather than gun to the head, I'm faking it, regular Republican Trump, are the party apparatus in each state now? Um, and that's a debatable question. But but anyway, yes, proportional would be good. I was going to say, that's my follow-up for you, Murphy, is how likely do you think that is to happen? And and I mean, is somebody is somebody big enough in each of those important states to stand up and do this in a way in which we know... Who is bigger than Mike Murphy? <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you go. No, I've got nothing to do with it because I would doom it to condemned as, you know, I've been saying in public with you guys. No, no. Look, smart people are saying, look, the proportional system lets every state have a role. It's good for the party. It's good for local officials to participate. And it's worked pretty well for the Democrats. You get a much more battle-tested person. So there, I think there's interest in it. You know, I'll bet the Georgia committee right now has probably had it with Trump. On the other hand, there are states that 100%. The big question is DeSantis because he's the muscle man right now. Now, I don't know in a year. You know, right. he's got a lot, a couple hundred car washes to go through. That's the process. <laughs> but you can argue if you're for DeSantis, no, no, no. Don't, don't help push for proportional. And he'd have the biggest influence right now in the states because people see him as the bandwagon to get on. But he could say, wait a minute, I'm not going to change Florida. I want Florida to be all me when I win it, even by one point. Um, I don't want to agitate the MAGA Trump foot soldiers. I want to be their second choice. So, you know, that's the hardest part of this. On the other hand, I think it's in everybody, including DeSantis' interest, to have a proportional system because over time, you allow everybody to coalesce around somebody who's not Trump and still gain a lot of delegates. Now, it may be moot. I, I think some DeSantis people are thinking, we'll have Trump out of this race, and then we're the invincible front runner, and we want winner-take-all. But anyway, wheels are turning, thoughts are being made, and one little footnote for the super nerds, the Republican rules kind of hilariously say everything before the 15th of March has to be proportional, and after that, you know, run wild with winner-take-all. Yep. Well, the, it looks like they, they didn't make it the X Tuesday. And so the 12th, the second Tuesday in March, is before the 15th. So if that were to become Super Tuesday, they all have to be proportional. Now, I'm sure there'll be a midnight vote at the RNC to slide that up if they want to keep the system. But anyway, they're smart people planning presidential campaigns, as you guys know. They look at the terrain of the battlefield as part of the equation. And if you can affect the terrain, it's a good thing. So we'll see what happens. Long shot, but 
It's a good idea. Certainly happened on the Democratic side. It's important, though. This seems like dry, kind of in-the-weeds stuff, but it's this dry, in-the-weeds stuff that impacts closed presidential races, and the the campaigns that are clever enough to navigate them are often the ones that end up absolutely on top. And, you know, there's a Democratic corollary. Real quick, I'll give a special hacky to our friend Mo and others who cooked up this this crazy thing. So the Dems are, you know, rigging their their primary uh, schedule to try to help Biden and do a lot of good stuff for the party. But they left a hole in it, which is it gets to be done over again post Biden if he runs uh, for the next. So the first primary is now in in twenty twenty eight. Not going to be New Hampshire. It'll be the primary to run the DNC to write the new rules for yourself. You yeah. know, because they've opened it up in the future, and that's Smart. that's a whole new battlefield. We we we've seen it in presidential politics, but new level. Uh, though it does turn the rules and bylaws committee of the Dem- Democratic National Committee into the Hunger Games every four years, right? But, and uh, the first real primary. Get yeah. that, yeah. and then you start yeah. writing only left-handed people get bonus delegates, and shazam! All of a sudden, President Gina Raimondo marches <laughs> forward. So stay we knew tuned. it was coming. Hey, wait, we just knew it was yeah, coming. Hacky for most valuable Democratic politician, Raimondo yet again wins. You just knew it was coming. You had to get him. It. You just you you knew it was going to come. All right. I think there was one uh, other category which was up and comers, right? Right. Up and comers in each party. Yeah. Rising stars. Uh, So I'll start with that on the uh, Republican side, and I'm I'm interested to hear Murphy's on this. The aforementioned Governor Sununu to me is an interesting character. I don't know if he can go national. I don't know if he's a, but he is a uh, media savvy. Mm-hmm. kind of guy and if there's a post trump period and people are looking around for someone who can lead the party forward there he seems like an interesting guy i met this young guy mike lawler who beat maloney in new york who young i think he was an assemblyman he's he struck me as a impressive young guy who uh who, who will emerge on the democratic side this is where now i don't know whether you can call Whitmer a rising star. She may be fully risen, but for the reasons that Murphy named her winner of the year, uh, I think that she uh, deserves uh, consideration. Governors Wes Moore and Josh Shapiro in Pennsylvania, um, Moore in Maryland, we're going to hear a lot more from both those two guys. And then I want to talk about a couple of uh, Democratic House members, uh, Spanberger from Virginia and Slotkin from Michigan, mm. both of whom won really tough races in a tough year and who are smart, sort of center-left uh, Democrats uh, who uh, have shown a lot of guts in the Congress. I think each of them have statewide potential, perhaps uh, you know national Soon. potential. Yeah. Spanberger yeah. could run for governor. Yeah. Yeah. She cheated death this year, too, which is a good credential because that district in a normal year, she would have gotten clipped. No, I would agree with all those. I'd add Chris Pappas in the House, who also beat off a crazy person in a very tough district, New, New Hampshire, Hampshire won. Yeah. Mm-hmm. On the, so I, I'll, I'll agree with those Democrats. On the Republican side, oh, you know, everybody is such – I mean, I'll, I, I think Gallagher in the House is impressive, mm-hmm. uh, and he's going places, I think. And there's a, there's a star in waiting who has been making interesting moves also in the house, which is not necessarily the best base, but if he's discovered and Fox 2.0 may be looking for somebody like this has started after a shameful period of Trump's suck up or you're about Fox and Fox news, not Jeff Fox, our engineer. No, no, not the all powerful Colonel Jeff Fox, but the, the person I'm doing the, the, uh, tiresome wind up to, has started sending some good signals about Trump. Not hostile, but move beyond. And uh, he is a very impressive person in real life. And that's Dan Crenshaw of Texas. I was gonna, I was gonna do. And if you want to know who that person is, tune into our no, first week. podcast yeah. of twenty. <laughs> right, that's good. We should We're actually add to that. Uh, so he is. Yeah. Uh, no, Crenshaw out, out yeah. of Texas, member of the House, decorated veteran, was the absolute wow. That guy gets it yeah. at the Kennedy yeah. School. So far, unseen potential, but he's creeping in the right way. And if he gets discovered on a national basis, there's real rocket fuel there, I think, for him. And he could be a player in national Republican politics. Uh, and I agree on Governor Sununo. He's a buddy of mine. You know, hard to rent for president out of the state that has a business on running for president because you undercut the thing. But, uh, but the, you know, you do. You go to another state and win. 
to show that you can. You know? exactly. But, you know, you have the crazy, it's like the Tom Harkin problem when he ran on the yeah. Democratic side. But fundamentally, yeah, he's got a bright future, and he's a very smart, successful politician. Uh, so, yeah, I would keep an eye on Governor Sununu. He's also advised by our friend, the great Pat Griffin. Go ahead, Gibbs. Yeah, I, I think you guys named most, if not all, of the ones that I'd written down here. Um, I, I think. <laughs> oh, okay. No whining. No. Man, we let you go first and feed us to the punch on a bunch of. No, no, no. I'm not whining. I'm just. I. I I'm agreeing. I'm agreeing. Uh, no, I think. Um, first of all, I. I. I think the int- one of the interesting answers in this question is that many of the ones that we mentioned on the Democratic side have been re-emphasized as rising stars. I, I had this, uh, Axe, you'll remember, I think, when we were on with Sarah Longwell, and she kind of poked me, like, well, you know, if Biden doesn't run, you don't, you guys don't have anybody in the bench on the Democratic Party. And I, I thought, quite frankly, that was wrong then. I think it's wrong now. I think the idea that somehow there's some huge long bench on the Republican side, but there wasn't on the Democratic side was wrong. Um, and I think if you look at, you know, the ones I wrote down, the Gretchen Whitmers, uh, Raphael Warnock, uh, Josh Shapiro, uh, Jared Polis from Colorado. Uh, all of those are in tougher than tougher states than, say, a South Carolina or a Texas to be uh, an up and comer in. Uh, you know, I, I think certainly if you look at a Whitmer or a Warnock or a Shapiro, uh, you know, they're in d- dead bang swing states, uh, and, and I think they've got real national promise. I, I, you know, I think Slotkin and Spanberger as well, and I think. Um, you know, it's, he's probably not a rising star anymore, but I, I still think the biggest, uh, the, the, the biggest gravitational pull on the Republican side is, is somebody who had politically a pretty good 2021 and 2022. And that's Ron DeSantis. Uh, you know, he's going to roll into making a decision sometime in 2023 with a ton of money. Yeah, true. A Fair ton. enough. He's, uh, he, he is. And I'd add one more on the Dem side, even though he's been a rising star forever, he is unique in that situations don't make him a rising star. His ability to communicate does, which means he can break through and be a big deal anytime he wants, which is Pete Buttigieg. Uh, always. He's a thoroughbred. He can always run. Yeah, he's, some of these people are fully risen, you know. But, yes, yeah. you're, you're right. You have to throw him in yep. uh, into that category. So we got, we're winding down on time here. We have one more. One more, oh, we, we David. Do? Uh, yes, we do. Uh, <laughs> and Jeff, if we have the In Memoriam music, please. We have to mourn the passing of the world-beating Murphy and Gibbs Bulletin Newsletter, the Hex on Cat <laughs> Newsletter, because the platform has been folded. A sobbing world is missing it. But we've migrated all those emails over to Substack, and we will be back with new news and an update in the new year. But thank you, Bulletin, for putting up with us. Uh, we had a lot of fun doing it. Thanks for reading. Could you guys pass the tissues? I'm, I'm yeah, like, yeah, I can I'm tell missing you up over here. You're a mess, Axe. And then, Axe, our last hackies category, which is charities that deserve your support and consideration. David? I've got two, in keeping with my habit here, I've got two uh, honorable mentions, the International Rescue Committee that is trying to deal with a refugee crisis uh, all over the world in Europe because of uh, Ukraine. Obviously, we have a great uh, uh, challenge here. Uh, The World Food Kitchen and our friend Jose Andres, who's doing such wonderful work trying to feed people uh, all over the world in distressed uh, areas, including Ukraine. And then, but I have to, I'd be, I'd, I'd be remiss if I didn't cite uh, Citizens United for Research in Epilepsy, which is the foundation that my wife's uh, created of 25 years ago this year, mm. next year, uh, to help raise money for uh, much needed epilepsy research. Epilepsy roiled the life of my daughter, Lauren, uh, and, uh, it takes many, many lives, tens of thousands of lives each year here in the U.S. and many more around the world. So Citizens United for Research in Epilepsy, close to my heart. I hope you guys will find uh, a few dollars for them this holiday season. Absolutely. Those are all great. I'm a donor to most, if not all. I would uh, I would add, find your local food bank. No kid should be hungry. Yes, and yes, yes. Most cities have a great one, and often several. Southeastern Michigan is one of my favorite. There's several in L.A. Real simple, feed people. 
Yes. The Americans should never go hungry. That's that's number one. And second, this is kind of a quirky one, but with the end of COVID, there are a lot of high schools and, and, and middle schools that lack the funding for science and tech. And nothing's worse than being a brilliant kid in a school where you can't get what you need. So there are you can find it in your local school district, Kickstarters. There's money to help send these kids to robot camps and all kinds of cool things that allows them to spread their wings and, and move up. Uh, I suggest you look and find when they're not hard to find. Excellent. And finally, you can send, uh, you liberals out there can make a check right now to Californians Against Seal Hunting. You can send it to me, just make it out to cash. <laughs> <laughs> Very Trumpy. And you conservative wingnut Trump people, forgive me for a day and make it to Christians Against Secular Humanism. Cash. <laughs> or the Lincoln Project, same thing. <laughs> oh, hey oh. Wow. Mike Murphy. We're having a holiday spirit. Anyway, he'll, he'll be here all week. Tip your waitresses. I've got two. One you mentioned, uh, David, World Central Kitchen, uh, which just does great work feeding people. I love the food bank idea. The other one I'd add, uh, in in located in my home state and uh which does tremendous work and unfortunately has to do a lot of work, which is the Southern Poverty Law Center. Yes. Uh we've seen just a you know, we see it every day, this terrible rise. Uh, in in anti-Semitism and 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 in racism and uh, kudos to the work that that they do uh, each and every day. So World Central Kitchen and Southern Poverty Law Center. And I want to thank you guys for your charity to me every week when I talk too much <laughs> and tell you how much I love you guys. Same and here. Appreciate the chance to get together with you on a regular basis to uh, bullshit about politics. Highlight of the week. We'll see you all on January 10th. That will be our next podcast. So, Robert, X had to run. He's got something with his grandkids. But we wanted, as the gregarious members here, to finish up with a salute, a yuletide salute to our incredible staff. Jeff Fox, our producer engineer. Hannah McDonald, our generalissimo of all things uh, that really makes the podcast run, as well as. And also to Allison, who's out on parental leave, and we look forward to her coming back next year. Seriously, Murphy, we could, um, well, not only could we not do this podcast without the help uh, of uh, of Jeff and Hannah and Allison, we couldn't even get on the same Zoom at the same time without those three. No, no. I mean, Axe started out this thing trying to talk to MySpace. I mean, it's been a disaster. So like the turtle upon the fence post, it's our great staff that prop us up. And I want to thank Audio Boom, our podcasting network, who've been great supporters. And most of all, as we indicated before, thank all of you for giving us the greatest gift you can, your time and attention. So with that, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. <laughs>